It's Wednesday, January 27th, 2020. Well, 2021. Welcome to Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish River Station House in Langhorn, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, the Eagles, Eagles finally have a new coach in Nick Sirianni. The Phillies have JT Real Muto back in the fold. Joel Embiid couldn't make it through a week of games. That's a surprise, I'm sure. We'll talk about that. Flyers bounced back with a nice win last night uh, after a tough weekend in Boston. Uh, no Phillies made the class of 2021 Baseball Hall of Fame. Matter of fact, no one made it at all. And uh, as usual, a lot going on in the Philly sports world. But did I mention that Tom Brady is back in the Super Bowl? Yeah, boy, we sure do have a lot to talk about this hour, Bill. Meanwhile, you're back down in Florida where I think it was close to 80 degrees today. Uh, I'm here in Jersey still where it's nothing at all like that. So damn you, Bill Furman. 82. If you're going <laughs> to throw numbers out there, it was 82 degrees today. Yeah, Absolutely right. beautiful. And thanks for getting the Joel Embiid dig in right away. I knew it was coming. It, you have to have it. You have to have it. And you know what, Chet? I'm really excited about that because tonight we have a special guest, Inquire.com's Mike Sealski. We're going to talk to Mike about Joel Embiid. We're going to talk uh, Flyers. We're going to talk uh, Eagles. Uh, we're going to talk Mike's book. And we're going to talk Jake Voracek. Remember, he was looking for you online, too, last week. Yeah, Mike's good buddy. We're going to cover as much as we possibly can with Mike Sealski, as we always do, Bill. And it looks like he is here and ready to go. So let's get it going. All right, Mike, welcome back as always. Uh, glad to have you with us. Well, hang on. There he is. There he is. <laughs> Good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Always enjoy it. All oh, right. Yeah. All right, Mike. Uh, as we do, you know, when you do join us, we're going to try to cover as much as we humanly can. And uh, the entire Philly sports scene and, yes, your book about Kobe Bryant, who we just lost one year ago yesterday. Um, let's get it going with some little Eagles talk, first of all, though. Mike, what is your take on the Doug Peterson firing and the hiring of the guy who recently worked under Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni? Well, I think you can trace the history of Jeffrey Lurie's ownership of the Eagles through the quarterbacks that the team has had at that time, um, and for better or for worse. So you start out and you have Ray Rhodes as the head coach, and his quarterbacks are Bobby Hoying and Ty Detmer and Rodney Pete and Ray Rhodes' last four years. And Andy Reid becomes the head coach, and right out of the shoot, they draft Donovan McNabb. And for 10 years, everything is copacetic. It's awesome. And then they trade Donovan McNabb, and Andy lasts three years before he gets fired. And you, they go through Michael Vick and Kevin Cobb, and you start to see Nick Foles. Then they hire Chip Kelly. He lasts less than three years. And his quarterbacks are Mark Sanchez and Nick Foles and Michael Vick and Sam Bradford. Not a franchise guy among them. Then they hire Doug Peterson and they draft Carson Wentz and everything for Doug is fine as long as Carson is fine. So fine, in fact, that they win the Super Bowl without Carson Wentz. That's how good a job Doug does. The following year, they win a road playoff game with the same backup quarterback. But then once Carson Wentz goes bad, Doug Peterson loses his job. And so you can't look, I hear all the same scuttlebutt and I talk to a lot of people, you know, similar scuttlebutt to what you guys hear about. 
why Doug was fired. Did he want to be able to pick his coaching staff? Did Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman not like the coaching staff? All that kind of stuff. The bottom line to me is the Eagles have made a decision that either they are going to get Carson Wentz fixed or failing that they are going to move on from him. Either way, Doug Peterson was not going to be the guy for them to, uh, to continue working with whatever quarterback they decide they're going to go with. Um, to me, this was a matter of it was either Wentz or Peterson. They, they chose Wentz, and they may not even stick with Wentz at this point, given how disgruntled he seems to be. Yeah. Well, what do you think, Mike? Uh, you know, you bring in Sirianni with a whole new staff. Statlin's gone. Uh, Schwartz is gone. Deuce Staley is gone. Well, Statlin's uh, back. Statlin's back, yeah. Statlin's back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There was a rumor, there was, there, it was being reported that he was looking at a job at Alabama, going back to Alabama, yeah. and uh, it didn't happen. So okay. he's, he's still going to be there. Okay. Uh, either way, they brought a lot of young faces, young, new but young faces coming in. Uh, how do you see that affecting guys like uh, the J- Jason Kelsey, maybe with Stoutland back, uh, maybe he stays uh, where he might have retired. How do you see the whole turnaround here? Are we in for a rebuild? I think Jeffrey Lurie didn't use that word, but that's kind of where he was headed. That's where they've got to be headed. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. They were they were old in all kind of all the wrong places. And, you know, I mean, look, they won that Super Bowl following what was a sensible formula at the time, which was Carson Wanks is on his rookie contract. He's good enough to play for us right away. He's good enough to start for us right away. So we can spend money on veteran players to fill in around him. That only works so long before you start to have to draft talent and replenish talent on your roster with less expensive players. They have not done that. They have not drafted well enough to do that. So what do you have? You have them overpaying to keep guys who are already here. You have Howie Roseman talking about being too sentimental with player keeping players who are already here, et cetera, et cetera. This to me is a rebuild. And the direction of it is yet to be determined because we don't know whether they're going to A, stick with Wentz, B, if they do be stick with Wentz, be able to rehabilitate him. C, if they don't stick with Wentz, are they going with Jalen Hurts? Are they looking at somebody else? Going to be a lot of quarterback movement this offseason. Um, either way, no matter what direction they go, I think it's it's a fresh, clean start, and it's going to take a little while here. Well, Mike, speaking of the quarterbacks, something very interesting today. The Eagles had already hired an OC and a DC, and today they hired a quarterbacks coach, and you were the first guy that I saw to tweet about this Brian Johnson what is his connection? Why might it mean trouble for Carson Wentz? <laughs> well, Brian Johnson um, was the quarterback's coach at Mississippi State and coached Dak Prescott there. Um, he also played high school football for Jalen Hurts' father <laughs> in Texas and has known Jalen Hurts since Jalen was four years old. Yeah. Recruited him to Mississippi State. Now, it turned out Jalen decided to go to Alabama instead um, and then, of course, transferred to Oklahoma later. But Brian Johnson and Jalen Hurts have known each other for a long time. Mm-hmm. And while I don't think that's you, you necessarily draw a direct line between Jalen Hurts to Brian Johnson, and that's why the Eagles hired him, because Johnson's a, a very well-regarded quarterbacks coach and has had a lot of success. He's now at Florida. Um, you know, it, it, it certainly, if I were Carson Wentz, that would, that would pique my antennae. Let me put it that way. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. Well, hey, Mike, uh, we, we got to move over and talk Flyers, and uh, we have to talk Jake Voracek. Uh, that whole situation, I I, I, I don't think, Chet, unless you have it queued up to play it, I don't know we're going to play it. But uh, I'm not going to make him Do we have to? No, I'm not going to do that to you, Mike. Uh, thank but, you. But I, but I have to ask you, Mike, uh, 
did it catch you off guard? Uh, and once you had a minute to think about it, do you know where it went back to and where this started? Because obviously Jake was kind of laying in the weeds waiting for a chance to do that, and he got it. Uh, to answer your question, Bill, yeah, it surprised me a lot. Um, I know exactly what it stems from. Uh, so a year ago, uh, no, Halloween, Halloween of 2019, I went to Voorhees to write a column about the Flyers. And on that day in the locker room, Elaine Vigneault is standing in the middle of the locker room. There's a group of writers around him. And the only two players in the locker room sitting on their at their lockers five feet away are Jake Voracek and James Van Riemsdyk. And Vigneault at the time is literally saying, you know, I need more from Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek. As he's saying this, Voracek is looking in his direction and laughing. Okay. Now, the only voice in the room is Vigneault's. So I have an hour and a half ride home from Voorhees to my house in Bucks County. I have 65 people, literally 65 people coming to my house for a Halloween party slash trick-or-treating in 45 minutes. So I have 45 minutes from the time I get home until the time all these people show up to write this column. So I crank it out and I'm kind of sloppy with it. I'm a little too overt in tying Voracek's laughter directly to what Vigneault was saying. I, I, I made it really, really seem like he had heard what Vigneault had said and was laughing directly at it, which I did not know for certain. So when the column appeared online the next morning, I got a call from the Flyers PR guy, Zach Hill, and he said, hey, look, Jake is saying he didn't, he wasn't laughing at what AV said. He, he didn't hear it. Could you address this in your column? I said, Zach, I'm looking at it. I called the column up. I said, I'm looking at it right now. I will change this as soon as we hang up with, you know, hang up on the phone with each other. Within five minutes, this will be fixed. I said, please tell Jake if he wants to talk to me about this, give him my phone number. Tell, if he sees me at practice or at a game, he can approach me. I'm happy to discuss this with him. Tell him I apologize. So I hung up with Zach. I have fixed the column so that I left open the possibility that he wasn't laughing at what Elaine Vignon said. And to me, the issue was buried. I went to 15 Flyers games and practices between then and the beginning of the pandemic. Saw Jake, never said a word to me. And then I asked him that question two weeks ago and all hell broke loose. Wow. Hmm. Well, I think you guys should just go out and have a wah wah hoagie together and, you know. <laughs> no chance, Chad. And that has nothing to do with Jake. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, speaking of the Flyers, uh, they are, I guess, what, five, two and one, four, two and one? I don't know. They're, four, two and one. Yeah. Four, two and one. Okay. Not bad, but they're giving up way too many shots and consequently too many goals. We saw Carter Hart abuse his goalie stick on Saturday. He's a little frustrated. I can't blame him. It's still early in the season, but are the defense and this young goalie a concern for you? The goalie less so than the defense. Um, uh, you know, Eric Gustafson, who they they brought in this offseason, is not a strong defensive defenseman. He's a he's a weapon on the power play, but not much more than that. Um, you know, Ivan Provorov is, is a terrific young defenseman, and if they could keep him out there for 60 minutes, I'm sure Elaine Vigneault would do that. But he can't. And, um, you know, they just have a hard time getting the puck out of their own zone. Even last night, that 5-3 to three win over the Devils. Too many turnovers, really struggling to move the puck. Um, they're going to have to figure, I think they're going to have to add a veteran defenseman at some point this season to kind of settle everything down because most of those guys are still pretty young guys like Travis Sanheim and Robert Haig, but they've been around long enough that you would hope that they would have kind of come along a little bit farther at this point. So yeah, I, to me, the defense is more concerned than Carter Hart. I think Hart will be fine. Well, I, I guess the good point, Mike, is that, uh, they're, they're struggling when you watch them 
but the results haven't been so bad. So if they can stay in the top end, uh, stay in the hunt, there's still a good chance they could be where they need to be in the end. Yeah, they have. I mean, assuming that that Lindblom and Nolan Patrick are back to close to the players you hoped they would be before, you know, Lindblom obviously went through his, you know, had cancer and came back from it, and Nolan Patrick had it, had his concussion-related migraines. Um, they've both been very good so far this season. They have depth up front. I still would like to see them add another score, um, although James Van Riemsdyk has gotten off to a really hot start, and he can be that kind of player. Uh, he had two goals last night against the Devils, and he shows you what a scorer can do. You know, you stand in front of the net, you get your stick on a couple of wrist shots, and boom, you've got a couple of, you know, goals on the power play. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about the team they can be. I didn't think they played well in the playoffs last year at all. Um, and I think they still probably need like one, maybe two more tweaks to their roster um, before you can say, okay, this is really a team that's ready to compete for a Stanley Cup. Well, the 76ers tweaked their roster quite a bit over the offseason, got a new head coach as well, uh, some general manager you know, changes. They're 12-6, and six, clinging to first place in the Eastern Conference. Big game tonight against the Lakers, LeBron and company. But they're 0-4 when Joel Embiid doesn't play. Bill may have something to say about that. And like last year, they're well below 500 on the road. What do you make of Doc Rivers' team so far? Well, I think the additions that Daryl Morey made to the roster, the changes he made helped. Um, you know, just by virtue of the nature of the sport now, you need outside shooters. And the fact that they now have, you know, a guy like Danny Green, a guy like Seth Curry, the fact that Shake Milton's game has developed a little bit and he can be a force on the perimeter as well. Um, but look, Jim, Chet, you said it. Like, Joel Embiid is a better player now than he was last year or the year before that. And some of this just comes down to the fact that in the NBA, I think we forget this, it's a veteran league. You know, guys don't peak until they are 29, 30, 31. That's when they hit their prime. Joel Embiid has been excellent for a lot of the time he's been with the Sixers. He's been disappointing at other times, but he's still a very young player, and so is Ben Simmons. Um, and I would argue Simmons has been, you know, a bit of a disappointment this season. Um, but those guys are still young. They've got a ways to go. And, you know, that was always, you know, for instance, a couple of weeks ago when there was all this discussion about trading for James Harden, that was always my hesitation was that, you know, these guys, Embiid and Simmons are still at a stage in their careers where they're just starting to tap into the players that they can be. Now, I want to see Ben Simmons shoot the ball more, obviously, like everybody else. Um, maybe he never does that. And, you know, maybe it's worthwhile for the Sixers to move on from him and get somebody else who fits better with Embiid. But for right now, I think you got to be happy with where they're at. Well, Mike, I'm not happy with Joel Embiid. Uh, so, Here we uh, go. Well, you know, I just had to say it. You know, the, the guy doesn't play a game every week. How can you win with a guy who isn't going to show up every night to play or you know, whether it's load management, whatever the heck they call it, I don't know. All I know is they stink the nights he doesn't play. And, you know, he's a top player in the league. He might be a top three, four, five guys in the league. Uh, but he can't come to work every night, and that just really troubles me. Well, I think, Bill, some of this comes down. Some of it comes down to how you view a player's obligation and a team's obligation during a regular season versus the playoffs. Like Embiid is not load managed. He didn't load manage in the playoffs last year, for instance, against the Celtics in the bubble. I mean, he was the one guy who showed up in that series. He was their best player by a lot. Um, and you can make a case that his his 
less than ideal conditioning hurt him in previous playoff stints, you know, for instance, against the Raptors and, and things like that. But if he, if, if they're going to get the Joel Embiid in the playoffs that they're getting from him this regular season, that they're getting this regular season, and, and he's there every night in the playoffs, I think they'll take that trade off. Remember, you know, Greg Popovich has done this in the past with Tim Duncan and, you know, Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker. The Raptors did it and won a championship with Kawhi Leonard. Um, so it's not unprecedented. And I understand where you're coming from. There's a part of me, too, that expects a guy to play every night. Um, but the flip side of that coin, and, and somebody who would know something about this is Daryl Morey, the GM. The flip side of that is you want to get as much out of Embiid as you can. And Morey has experience in Houston with a big man in Yao Ming whose feet let him down, you know, who was as dominant a player as there was in the league, certainly as dominant a big man as there was in the league for about a three or four year stretch. And his career was cut short by injury. And you don't want to see the same thing with Embiid. And so it's a, it's a fine line to walk. All right. Well, Mike, in addition to talking about the Voracek incident and the fact that you're just a great guest whenever we have you on, another reason we wanted to have you on this week is, as I mentioned, yesterday happened to be the one-year anniversary of the tragic death of Kobe Bryant and eight others in the helicopter crash, including his daughter. And you happen to be writing a book about the former Lower Marion basketball star. So I want to get an update from you on that and you know have you tell us about the book if i'm not mistaken the title is remember his name the rise and fall of kobe bryant tell us what readers can expect and when it'll be available sure well the, it's actually got a new title <laughs> it's called okay. it's called the rise uh kobe okay. bryant and the pursuit of immortality and um the book is going to focus the, the 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 pitch line i have for the book is it's batman begins for the black mamba if you've seen the movie batman begins it deals exact exclusively with how Bruce Wayne became Batman. Hmm. That's the the theme, I guess, of this book. I'm going to deal with Kobe's young life, and in particular, his four years at Lower Marion. Um, you know, the state championship run, the district championship run, the lead up to his being drafted in 1996 by the Hornets and then traded to the Lakers. Um, you know, and it's it's going to focus on that like a laser beam on those year, early years of his life, his life in Italy. There'll be a chapter in his life on Italy. And then there will be a lot on him as a person at Lower Marion, his identity, trying to fit into the culture of a suburban Philadelphia high school that was pretty diverse. Um, you know, and I think to me, the, the thing that drew me to this story was when he died, there, there became this sense, and, and the sense had existed for a long time, I think, that he just kind of sprouted fully formed out of a hill in Los Angeles. Because he had been in L.A. and with the Lakers for so long, he kind of grew up before the entire country and the entire world's eyes. But he was 17 or 18 when he got out there. Th there was a lot of living that he had done and a lot that he had accomplished and a lot of it very dramatic um, while he was in the Philadelphia area and even before that. So that was the story I wanted to tell. It's a story that... A lot of us in the Philadelphia area know pretty well, but I don't think the whole country does. And so that's what I'm focusing on. And uh, it'll be it's it's scheduled to come out a year from now, January of 2022. Um, I've been working on it for the better part of seven or eight months. And I've got another month and a half, two months to my uh, manuscript deadline. So that's where we yeah. stand. It's interesting, Mike, because I think a great point. I think a lot of people think these great players just happen to wake up and be great. They don't realize the amount of work that these guys do at their craft. Uh, you know, they always said nobody worked any harder than Jerry Rice. 
you know, Jerry Rice made it look easy out there, but no one would ever work out with him in the offseason because they couldn't. Uh, you know, I think they lose sight of how how much work goes in to get, like you said, you don't come out of a mountain in Los Angeles. No, and, and the nature of the work too, Bill. Like one anecdote that I've uncovered in the book is that when Kobe was um, in high school, even as like a sophomore or a junior during the summertime, he had a friend that he would play pick up with. And while they were playing, he would have the friend rebound for him. And while the friend was rebounding for him, the friend would have to insult Kobe. He would yell at him, you're soft. You don't have a city game. You can't hang in the hood with the real players while Kobe was shooting. Now, picture that. Like, two guys on the court, one of them shooting, the other one yelling at him, yelling insults like that at him. But that's what Kobe, is, as even a 14 or 15-year-old, wanted from his friend to prepare him to become the best basketball player in the world. And, you know, for a time there, he was that. Wow. Hey, Mike, uh, I want to ask you something else. Uh, you frequently on Facebook will, you know, share some of your fan mail, as you like to put it, where, you know, readers sometimes, well, often don't hold back when they disagree with you. And does the televised Voracek criticism go to the top of that list? Or might there still be some other, you know, fan mail to top even that? The Voracek thing has um, unleashed a fair bit of, as you put it, Chet, fan mail. Um, <laughs> it's... Uh, I mean, look, I, I, I do my very best to kind of take this in stride. Um, you know, there are a lot of writers, sports writers, and other kinds of journalists who deal with a lot worse stuff than I do. And um, Flyers fans, for whatever reason, are seem to be particularly sensitive about these things. Um, I don't get the, the same level of vitriol from Eagles fans or Phillies fans, Sixers fans, Big Five fans, anything like that. Um, you know, and, and there we can theorize as to why that is. But, um, you know, it look, it's, it comes with the territory. You got to have a thick skin. You got to be able to take it. Um, it would be different if I were hearing criticism like that from my peers um, or from the teams that, that I covered, if they had an issue with it, but I haven't. Um, you know, the teams in town know how I go about doing the job. Um, my peers know how I do my job. And so if some Looney Tune on Twitter wants to, you know, call me a name that I can't repeat here in good company, like I said, that comes with the territory and such is life. Hey, Mike, I have a question uh, one of our viewers put up here. Let me let me put it up there real quick. Uh, back to Kobe. His time spent abroad in Italy with his father, matured Kobe. There's been a lot of things said about Jelly Bean Brian and, and his wife, Pam, and uh, and Kobe. Um, do you get to that in the book as well? That's a, that's a, that's an interesting topic because everyone knows Joe and, and Pam as well here in yeah, Joe and Pam have not spoken publicly to anyone um, since Kobe's death, and they did not speak to me for this book. Um, I was able to get other family members and and people you know around them and close to them to speak. But that's a good point that 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 those years in Italy really did shape Kobe um, in terms of you know what he saw to learn the game, the fundamental nature of the sport in Europe, and the way it's played, um, the appreciation for other cultures. Um, it. it it, it contributed in some ways to his kind of um, search for his identity in a lot of respects too, because he didn't have the customary childhood that a kid in Lower Marion or Ardmore or West Philly would have had. Um, so it definitely shaped his perspective on interacting with other people. Um, you know, how he saw himself as a black male student at Lower Marion in the mid 1990s 
um, and the adjustments that he and his sisters, uh, Sheree and Shea, had to make once they moved over here. You know, they, they really weren't familiar with American culture at the time, um, you know, or anything like that. So it, it definitely shaped them in a lot of um, influential ways. Hey, Mike, I have two final quick questions for you. Uh, first of all, do Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes win a second straight Super Bowl, or does that damn Tom Brady win a seventh? I'm, I'm going with Andy and Patrick. Um, you know, I mean, he, Mahomes is incredible. Um, he's the best quarterback in the NFL by a lot. We just kind of take it for granted now, it seems to me. And, uh, and you know, good on Andy for, for spotting that in the draft out of Texas Tech and moving up to get him because uh, he's going to be winning games and maybe more Super Bowls for a long time. And speaking of moving up, you said today on Facebook that it's irrefutable that the Jeffersons TV theme song is the greatest TV sitcom theme, to- theme song of all time. I'm thinking I'm a little older than you, so I'm going to go back to Green Acres and the Beverly Hillbillies. Chet, fish don't fry in the kitchen, beans don't burn on the grill. That's all I'm going to say. It is a great song. It is a great it song. Is. I can't help but dance to it every time I hear it. I love it. Uh, I got you. Well, hey, Mike, before we let you go, we want to be sure that we, we make a date with you so when your book comes out, we can get you back on and we can uh, we can talk all through that and uh, and promote that thing as it get, gets ready for the holidays. I would love it. I would love it, Bill. Thank you so much. All right, Mike. Thanks, Mike. thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, answering all the questions. Appreciate it. <laughs> My pleasure, guys. Thanks. Take care. All Bye. right. All right, Chet, how about we talk some insurance? If you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we have the spot for you. Yes, indeed we do, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an all-state insurance policy is getting a local agent like our buddy Dave Lavoy, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs. Someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what is most important to you and your family. So give Dave a call today. He is at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania. The number there, 610-430-0700. Once again, that number, 610-430-0700. Hey, everybody, it's Willie Nile here, and you're listening to Chet and Bill on Philly Press Box Radio. You lucky people. Hey! Hey, Chet, baseball's in the news for a few reasons uh, this week, the first being the passing of the great Henry Aaron, as you know, uh, one of my very favorite players. And, uh, boy, sure hate to see that that happen. And, uh, boy, baseball, well, all the Hall of Fames are taking a beating, but uh, baseball seems to be the worst. Yeah, and, you know, he was one of my favorites as well, Bill. You and I both started watching baseball, I think, at about the same time in the mid-'60s. And there were so many legends playing then. I mean, Mickey Mantle, Sandy Koufax winding down their careers. Willie Mays and Roberto Clemente still going strong. Bob Gibson, Pete Rose, of course. But, yeah, among opposing players, for me, Henry Hank Aaron was absolutely one of my favorites. Uh, I want to ask you, Bill, what was it that you really liked about Hank? Well, I mean, just the total all-around player. Um, you know, he could, do, he could do everything. He could do everything, and he was such a mild-mannered guy. I had an opportunity to meet him at a memorabilia signing, I'm going to say 1990, somewhere like that. Uh, got a bat signed by him, by the way, a bat, a ball, and all that. But he was as nice as he could be. But the thing I remember most, and uh, I should have sent you this picture to post it because it's the one I actually posted on Facebook. But the thing that I remember the most about him, his forearms 
and wrists were the same size. His wrist, he had the most unbelievable wrists of any athlete I've ever been around. Uh, and, and I never thought, he shook his hand. And I, you, you shook a man's hand. There was no doubt about that. Yeah, he was just amazing uh, at the very top or right near the top of so many offensive categories. And as some people pointed out over the weekend, a couple of amazing stats that stood out to me. He never had a 50 home run season on the way to those 755 round trippers. And then there's this. You take away all 755 home runs and he still finishes with more than 3,000 hits. That's incredible. Yeah, and two other things. Uh, He never had less than 10 home runs. Even as he was coming up and as he was going away, he never had less than 10 home runs in his career. And still to this day, and I don't have the number, I should have the number, uh, he holds, still holds the record for RBIs to this day and hadn't swung a bat in wow. 45 years almost. And I think he played 23 seasons, but he made 25 All-Star games because back in the early 60s, they had two All-Star games, one in the midseason, one at the end of the season. So uh, he rarely missed an All-Star game because he was that good. Yeah, tr- truly a legend, and, uh, you know, and, and I've said this before, Chet, he's, to me, he is probably the most underrated superstar of any that I remember. He, uh, you know, every time, you know, oh, he's the greatest living player, greatest living player, guy would die, another guy would be the greatest living player, and it was never Hank Aaron. And uh, I think he was certainly underrated and, and deserved a little more credit than he got. Yeah, uh, we're going to miss him. Uh, I mean, I know he was 86, but I hadn't heard of him being ill or anything recently. So uh, it kind of caught us by surprise, and it's a shame. So rest in peace, Hank Aaron. Absolutely. Well, then, to make matters worse, Chet, based for in the baseball side, uh, the start of spring training looks like it may be delayed, at least in Arizona. So we assume Florida is going to follow to maybe mid-March uh, due to COVID-19 still. Uh, that's not good. No, uh, Arizona is the one state where there is some significant increases in uh, COVID cases of late. Um, I think like 40 states are either, you know, holding the line or going down. Arizona is the one that's going up, was up like 17% or something last week. So that's the hole up there. And that that may influence the situation in Florida as well. So everything's kind of on hold right now. I mean, they still have, you know, another another month or so to figure it out. But uh Boy, I hope they get this season in and that everybody can, you know, play safely and not have to worry about it. Maybe eventually, you know, have fans at Citizens Bank Park, too. No, oh, we sure sure need them. Sure need them here in, uh, in Florida and need them in Philadelphia and, and around the league for, for sure. And then baseball followed it up with more bad news, at least to me, when they uh, announced their Hall of Fame voting for the class of 2021 and no Phillies and nobody. Uh, I'm going to say... It's a travesty that Kurt Schilling is not in, and it's more of a travesty for the reason he is not in, which is his post-career political stance does not warrant you not being in the Hall of Fame. I wish we had time to talk to Mike about that because he posted a column from a couple of years ago, and I think he kind of agrees with you on that front that you should really just go by – you know, what the guys did on the field, but there is the character clause in there. And I'm really torn about this. I mean, the steroid guys for one thing, and then Kurt Schilling with all the the goofy things that he has said, you know, over the last 10 years or so, the last couple of years, especially, uh, it definitely influenced some of the voters. He got 71.1% of the vote. I think that was down a little bit from uh, last year. And now he's asking himself to be taken off the ballot for the writers and wait till, you know, the, the era committees, the, the players and whatnot get to vote. So 
we'll see if he gets his wish next year. I don't think he's going to get the 75% next year anyway, which will be his final year on the ballot, especially since uh, some of his most recent comments came after all the votes were in for this year. So interesting situation. And I honestly don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, I, to take it just one step further, I guess, you, you know, we, we heard or we got to see the special they did on Roy Halladay. Roy Halladay had some problems after yeah. he played. Uh, ultimately, it killed him, you know, um, or it appears it did. So do you say, well, because this guy ran into a problem after he played that he should not have gotten into the Hall of Fame? Well, here he, he's a first ballot guy, and here's a guy with 3,116 strikeouts which ought to be an automatic right there besides all the other boxes he checks off. But because he talks too much or doesn't talk the way people want him to talk, um, he's out. Uh, yeah. And, a, and of course, okay. I mean, his postseason uh, pitching performances were just, you know, right up there with the very best. Oh yeah. Uh, great ERA, great one lost record. I think he only gave up, more than two earned runs in one start or whatever in the postseason. So uh, certainly worthy. And just based on performance, I would have no problem voting him in. Uh, absolutely. I think uh, I think he should be in. Uh, okay. Hey, as, as, our buddy, as our buddy Rob pointed out, uh, the good news, the Phillies re-signed JT. Well, that's where I was going. There you go. Say, hey, we have <laughs> JT Rubuto back in the fold. Now a lot of focus has gone over to Didi. Uh, you know, D.D. wants a couple years and a lot of money. Uh, do you go and, and bring him back and basically you come back with last year's roster um, with with a little better pitching in the on the back end? And can you win with that? Uh, if I'm Dave Dombrowski, yeah. And assuming, you know, the money is there, uh, if Mr. Middleton allows, I would bring Didi back. Absolutely. Cause that gives you more depth. Cause that means uh, Kingery goes back to being the platoon guy, the, the first guy off the bench. I would definitely do it. Cause I thought Didi had a pretty good year and uh, I would bring him back. And I know we talked last week about the possibility of Odubel Herrera coming back. Uh, assuming he has done what was necessary to get his life straightened out a uh, little therapy, you know, all that sort of thing. I'd give him a shot as well. Um, it's all trying to make this team better. And as you said, the bullpen should absolutely be better. I mean, let's face it. It can't really be much worse than it was last year. They did get some good signings this year. So uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, bring Didi back. You got JT. Odubel, give him a shot. Yeah, I and they need to find a pitcher. They need, they need another starting pitcher. Yeah. Of anything they did, um, I'm not – big on the Vinny Velasquez uh, signing, he can't be in this rotation if they expect to win, you know. And and I, I say it that way because it's not like he's on the verge of being better or being good or whatever. He, we've had a whole sample size of him, and, it's, and it hasn't been there. Maybe he needs a fresh start. And, you know, we, we write uh, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler right there at the top of the rotation, but you got to keep in mind, they didn't exactly – do their job down the stretch last week or last year, uh, the last couple of weeks of the season. I think they each had a shot four times to get a, another victory and they came up short. They didn't win any of their last four starts each. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, oh, the team collapsed. I have, a, I have another question for you that I'm going to throw into you as uh, you look at things more from a little bit fan perspective where I look to, at it 
sometimes from a little more of a coaching perspective. But I want to ask you this. Reese Hoskins, Carson Wentz, um, Ben Simmons, and we'll leave the rest out. Why is it that the Philadelphia sports fans want to take these young guys and do their best to make their life miserable and want to run them out of town? <laughs> it's the nature of being a Philadelphia sports fan, Bill. Uh, I, a lot of people just always seem to look for the negative in certain guys. I don't know what it is. Uh, and then you have get guys like JT who you know doesn't say a whole lot. He just goes out and does his job, and they're behind him all the way. I mean, you could say that Reese has done that too, but his performance the last couple of years wasn't where it should be, whereas you know JT has been great. So it comes down to what you do on the field and in addition to that you know what you may say but philly sports fans can be tough uh we know that and especially now with social media and so much you know in terms of podcasts and talk radio people have a chance to express themselves and it just seems like they go to the negative before they want to say something positive well, yeah, and, and the reason I actually thought about this, of course, the Carson Wentz bashing that's going on has been just ridiculous to me. But the uh, I had somebody say to me yesterday, you sign Didi, you don't you, you put him at third, you put Kingery at second, you move Baum to first, and Hoskins got to go. And I'm thinking, well, he has struggled, but we're going to run this guy out of town? Two, two years ago, three years ago, we were building the franchise around him. Yeah, uh, I'm not ready to run him out of town. I like Reese Hoskins. I, I think he's going to figure it out. And I'm all for bringing Carson Wentz back, too. Um, although that's going to be a very interesting situation if both he and Hurts are back again. That's a whole different uh, situation, a whole different ball ballgame. Um, yeah, I don't know, Bill. Philly sports, is, is it's a tough world. I was waiting for about one more week, and maybe Carter Hart will be on that list. I want to run him out of town. Yeah, nobody has turned on him quite yet, but a couple more outings like he's had lately, you never know. That's right. Yeah, it's just just funny uh, how Philadelphia sports fans think. And, uh, you know, I've been around a little, uh, you know, down in Florida for a long time. Um, Certainly not the passionate fans here in the Tampa Bay like you have in Philly. They they just aren't. but when you come to Philadelphia, man, it's a it's a whole different bunch, and uh, they they take no prisoners on their players. It's uh, and, you know you mentioned Ben Simmons. I got to be honest, I, I'm starting to turn on Ben a little bit too. Um, he, as we said last week, or I said last week, I don't think he's really progressed much in his four years of playing. He's still the same guy uh, as far as the way he plays. Great defensively but he'll just drive to the basket, look for a shot. He's not even a good shooter from, you know, five to eight feet when he takes those. His shooting percentage is a little over 50%, and most of his shots are layups or, you know, three-footers. Um, I'm disappointed with Ben. And in the, those games that Joel Embiid has sat out, the four games that he missed when they're 0-4, Simmons has not exactly stepped up, including Monday night. I know he got in some foul trouble, but uh, I'm disappointed with number 25. So... Well, it, you know, and I was going to say this to Mike, but we I, we just didn't have enough time to dig in too deeply. But, you know, in that last game that, that Mr. Softy sat out of, uh, if you look at it, they, they, they mailed that game in. They had like six guys play 20 minutes. They played the bench. They had foul trouble. Uh, they, they lost the game. There's no way they should lose even without Softy in there. No, not so, to Detroit. Worst team in the East. 
Right. And, you know, but, but that's the crazy thing to me about the NBA and why I struggle with the NBA because you have nights like that. And Mike, Mike kind of said it, you know, it's a, it's a load management until you get to the playoffs. And that's why the NBA regular season is a struggle for me to even watch. Uh, enough about that, Bill. And I'm going to do this right now, Bill. Oh, I'm ringing the bell. I'm, I'm ringing, ringing the bell because I, I think I have okay, to Okay, I, I tell you what. Random chat. I still haven't recovered <laughs> from last week's random chat. So I, I was actually going to send and say maybe we need to, to filter this before we put it up there. So we didn't do that. So let's see what you got. Oh, All right. boy. Oh, yeah. boy. No filter needed this week, Bill. It's it's going to be okay. So here's the deal. Some crappy weather in the Philly, Jersey area this week. A little cold, a little damp a couple of days ago, a little snow even. But it never fails. You go out to run a few errands or do some shopping, and you always see one or two of these guys, Bill. I'm talking about the year-round shorts guy. I see these guys, and I always wonder, Why? Is it a macho thing? Are they just uncomfortable with pants touching the lower half of their legs? What is it? I don't get it. You'll even see the year-round shorts guy sometimes wearing a jacket or a heavier coat, maybe even a hat. But yes, with shorts. If my wife happens to be with me, she will always say to me, isn't he cold? And I'll always say to her, I can't say for sure, but I'm going to guess that he's not. Should I go ask him? But no, I never do. And, you know, sometimes you even see these guys working outside. They're working out in the cold weather in shorts, like this mailman. But usually they're just cruising around, walking or doing some shopping or whatever. So, I mean, I wear shorts in the summer, of course. But if it's under, say, 55 degrees, nope. I guess I'm just not that macho guy. And, you know, Bill, I don't know if you remember the uh, Bud Light commercials. I think they were mostly radio commercials, but they had the Bud Light Real Men of Genius commercials, which I loved. And I don't know if they did one for this guy, but if not, let me say it. Here's to you, year-round shorts guy. <laughs> well, hey, throw up the mailman again. I want to see the mailman. Yeah, the mailman in his uh, year-round shorts. Here, here he is right there. <laughs> because you know what, Chet? If you look at his face, he's cold. I don't care what his <laughs> legs are thinking. That face tells me that mailman is cold. I don't know what he's trying to do. So what is it? I mean, no, you're back in Florida now, but you were up here in the the great Northeast over the winter. I'm sure you've seen these year-round shorts, guy. Why? Why are they doing it? I don't know, because that's why I came back to Florida, (laughs) because it was too dang up cold, and I had clothes on. Yeah, You know, I couldn't put enough clothes on, and uh, I'm just not for it. But I don't know. I guess it's a mental thing. You know, it's like those those offensive linemen that wear the – the cut off shirts to show their yeah. muscles while they're out playing in like and zero degrees. As my buddy Denny would tell you, I never even would go to a November or December football game with him because I don't like being cold. He says, <laughs> it's football weather. Yeah. yeah, well, I'd rather be warm and watch football in warmer weather. You know, 50, 60, that's fine. But 30, 20, nah, keep it. Um, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Chet, let's give a shout out to our partners over at the Edge of Philly Sports Network and their shows. You can check them out. The Broad Street Bully podcast is up and running now that the Flyers season is going. Drew, Jeff, and Doyle talk Flyers hockey. And those guys are pretty funny, by the way. Bird's IQ every Monday at 7 p.m. is still live with Kyle and Eric Quinn talking Eagles. 
Edge of Philly Sports Live. Joe, Freddie, Big Al, cover four for four. So much more Philly sports. That's Wednesday night, tonight, 9.30. Watch them live. And Tom Kelly and the gang at Patterson Avenue Fanatics, Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. They, too, talking all things Philly sports. Check out all their shows at www.eopsports.com. Help us out by hitting those subscribe, follow, and like buttons. And as always, share with your friends and family. And don't forget to sign up for the weekly mailer. Yeah, and also, uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe to our YouTube channel because that way you'll be sure to get alerts about our weekly shows. So we have Philly Press Box Radio, our own channel. Um, We still only have like 50-something subscribers, and I know more people are watching than that. We can see the numbers. Um, I mean, you can find it on our channel as well as on the Edge of Philly Sports YouTube channel. I think we're on Twitter now, too. And, oh, you know what, Bill? I even found out last week that if you don't want to look at our faces – you know, in addition to checking uh, the Apple podcast or Stitcher, we are even on iHeartRadio. How about that? You can find our podcast wow. audio only on iHeartRadio. So there, we're k- kind of big time, I guess. Well, uh, <laughs> iHeart's about as big as it gets right now. Isn't it? Or maybe they just put anything on. I don't know. But it shows up on iHeartRadio. I-, I checked. We are there. Who knew? Yeah, I didn't know. I'll be darned. All right, Chet. Uh, great guest tonight. As always, when Mike Sielski joins us. So, who we have coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Ah, uh, Bill, you remember last summer we had Ray Dinger on, in addition to being on uh, just a couple of weeks ago. We had Ray Dinger on last July, I think it was, for a Tell Us Your Story segment that I blatantly ripped off from what Ray and Glenn do every Saturday when they do it on Sports Radio WIP. But we had Ray on to get his story. Well, next week, it's Ray's Radio Partners term. You know who that is. It's this guy. We're going to get the Glenn Macnow story direct from the horse's mouth. From growing up in Buffalo to eventually making his way to Philly as a sports rider to his 25 or now 27 years, I think it is, on WIP. His many side gigs, including beer expert. Now you know why I like this guy. Anyway, Bill, this is going to be great. Glenn Macnow joining us to tell us his story, and maybe get his Super Bowl prediction, too, live next Wednesday. Oh, that'll be a lot of fun. He, he's posted a lot of really neat stuff with his dad and all over the uh, the playoffs with Buffalo. That was kind of cool. And uh, and then I saw where, where he was in line and got his shot the other day. So got his find shot. out how that goes. Up in my hometown area, Hazleton, Pennsylvania, he had to go to get his shot somehow. His wife was actually getting one, and uh, because it was a little uh, – crappy weather they had some cancellations so glenn was able to get his and yeah he and his dad uh you know from buffalo his dad marv 90 years old still in great shape though apparently and he of course was rooting for the buffalo bills and i was rooting for buffalo too but didn't happen so oh well well uh chet speaking of that tampa Uh, bay versus kansas city in the super bowl i think i picked both of them last weekend you picked against both of them last week hey You did correctly pick both games over the weekend, Bill. I was wrong on both. In my defense, I was really just kind of going with the Bills on a hunch. My head told me to take the Chiefs and Andy Reid. Shame on me, but should be a good game in the Super Bowl. For now, I'm leaning toward the Chiefs, but we're going to talk about that in much greater detail next week. Andy Reid has a pretty good squad. Oh, yeah, he does. He does, and uh, so does Tampa Bay, and so does Tom Brady. Uh, So I want to say to you, Chet, now that Tom Brady is going to his 10th Super Bowl, um, are we ready to 
but I've already done it. But are you ready to put to bed this uh, who the goat is? Oh, I think that's been settled already for a couple of years. It's Tom Brady, absolutely. Um, nine Super Bowl appearances, won six of them, a uh, lot of passing records. He goes to a new team this year, and yeah, they have some weapons, obviously. But in his first year there, there he wasn't expected to get to the Super Bowl, but here he is. He didn't have a great game on Sunday, but he certainly did enough to get the win. So, yeah, he, he's the greatest of all time, no doubt about it. it you know, the interesting thing about Brady, uh, Chet, is he, uh, you know, he, he's gotten in trouble or whatever, gotten a lot of criticism for not shaking hands after games and this and that. He certainly, he's a competitor. Uh, but interestingly enough, when they tried to interview him after this Sunday's game, he said, don't talk to me, go talk to those guys. They won the game. I was huh. more of a problem. I was more of a problem. Yeah, three picks, and, and they and they won the game, not me. So go go talk to my teammates. So. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm not going to root for Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, but it it would be you know quite a story if he won in his first year with Tampa Bay, and of course the game being played in Tampa. Now, let me ask you, how far are you from Tampa? Thirty minutes to downtown. Oh, that it? Wow. Yep. Yep. Can be. Uh, yeah, I could be in the stadium, which is a little bit more to just a little bit further than downtown in like 35 minutes. How about that? So I'm sure there'll be a lot of excitement down there over the next couple of weeks. The Bucks going to uh, the big game, as they say. Yeah, well, 22,000 fans are allowed. Uh, 7,500 of them are going to be emergency workers who yep. have been vaccinated. Uh, there's been some talk about whether they were going to open it up a little bit more. I mean. I'm going to tell you, Chad, I've only been here since Saturday, uh, but this place is completely different as far it's a, it's open. Yeah, it's people open. are going about their business, doing whatever. It, it, it's it's every day, just like you're, every other day. Went to the grocery store today, uh, had a mask on. Everyone had a mask on, um, but I've been to a couple restaurants that, that it was hit or miss. Uh, people are living. They're they're not they're not sitting in their house. I can tell are, you. That. Are masks required in nope. stores? Nope. Not a well, sign. Not. On, not a sign on a door. Really? Nope. But nope, most people not. are. The great majority of people are wearing them anyway, though. So that's uh, no, not necessarily. Now they are in the grocery store. That's they, what I mean. Every person in the grocery store that I saw had one on. But it's not mandatory. You said. No. Huh. Interesting. Yep. So it, it is. It is, and. Uh, you know, uh, they, which goes back to spring training. Are, are they going to let fans in at spring training? The Daytona 500 is scheduled for uh, here in another week or two as well. And they were talking about, and I don't know if it is still this way, they were talking about all all in, uh, huh. letting them go. So the state of Florida wants to, wants to let them roll. Uh, it's the leagues that have been the ones that have not, you know, the NFL would not allow it. So the city of Tampa and the state of Florida wanted to do it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hey, a couple of sports-related birthdays to mention, Bill. Bob Euchre turned 87 yesterday, the great Bob Euchre. Not a great, great seat, though. He wasn't really great. Great uh, entertaining broadcaster. There you go. Not a great yeah. ball player, no. <laughs> right. uh, the great one, Wayne Gretzky, turned 60 yesterday. He was great. Yes. Uh, and I know you like this guy, Billy White Shoes Johnson, 69 years old today. You think he should be in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Absolutely. Chichester High School saw him play at Collingdale Field when I was just about a seventh grader. 
he came, he was a senior in high school at Chichester, came, and I think they're still chasing him. Hey, one other thing we haven't talked about, uh, it came out a few weeks ago, and this kind of shocked me. Penn State football this year will host Villanova in, I think, their second game of the season. It's weird. They're opening with Wisconsin, but then they got a couple of, you know, what should be easy wins, including Villanova out at Beaver Stadium. That's pretty interesting. Uh I saw that, and I don't know that interesting is the word I would use for that. But <laughs> well, just the fact that it's happening is interesting. Yeah, I, mean, I, I actually sent him a text to our buddy Kevin Riley and said, Kevin, is this real? Am I actually reading? You know, he broadcasts Villanova football. Kevin yeah, does. that's right. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's real, and I, I don't I don't get it. So I don't know. All right. Well, Carry hey, Chet, on. let's take another quick break. Thank our friends over at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not have afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have 11 line razors, mystery boxes, and now a memorabilia shop. Check out their Facebook pages. Like them or follow them. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room and PPCC 118 Raz Room Shop on Facebook. All right. All right, Mr. Chesco. How about a parting shot for you tonight? Well, Bill, we're going to do something a little bit different for the parting shot this week, if I can figure out where everything is. Um, we talked earlier about the great Henry Aaron having left us last Friday. The next day, we found out another legend had died, a guy with more than six decades in radio and TV, Larry King. Rest in peace, Larry King. Today, Cloris Leachman died at age 94. I know her. I mean, people know her from the Mary Tyler Moore show and Phyllis, but to me, she will always be Frau Bleeker from the Young Frankenstein movie. But getting back to Hank Aaron, uh, let's just take a minute, Bill, and go back to April 8th, 1974, when this happened, the great Vin Scully with the call, Al Downing on the mound. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron. Boy, that was a great moment. Oh, yeah, and I, I remember it's one of those uh, father-son moments, Chet, with my dad. I remember sitting there with my dad watching that game. It was on TV. We got to see Oh, yeah. It. Yeah, and, uh, I watched. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Hey, I, I tell you what, I'll, I'll make you a, uh, I'll make a note here because I have in this collection that is now kind of boxed up and whatever, I have a Henry Aaron signed jersey. Wow. You got we'll the bat it. and the jersey, huh? And the ball. And, and the Sports Illustrated with the 715 holding the ball up. So. 
but I will, uh, I will put that out here next week somehow. And, uh, I just couldn't do it because I'm not sure which box it's in right at the moment, <laughs> but I will know by, by next Wednesday for sure. I understand. So, All right. We, we, co- we covered a lot of bases tonight, so to speak. We, we did cover a lot. So, uh, are you ready to wrap it up? You got anything else you want to throw out there? I got nothing else. Let's wrap it up, Bill. I'm going to go eat. All right, me too. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Mike Sielski, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave LeBoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. So for Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, February 3rd already, Chet, at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook or listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, Blog Talk Radio. I don't know. I'm not even going to list them all. <laughs> iHeartRadio. We got that one now. Yeah. And all them other podcast plays. With that, go High Hopes Philadelphia sports fans. Happy trails to you. Till we meet.